0: Welcome, it's Indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richie, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day, none other than Ben Corolo, breakdown contributor, host of Bleep Ben. That's on Twitch, should be a fascinating breakdown. Also in the bullpen, we have a treat for you. We have Zeb Hall, activist, and we have Trevor Aronson, writer at The Intercept. Talking about the FBI and how they believe the FBI has engaged in conspiracy, all right? Top story of the day, Marjorie Taylor Greene says if she was a black person, she would appreciate racist monuments. Here it is.
1: I don't want our statues taken down in our country. I don't think you remove or erase history. So I do I do agree those statues shouldn't be taken down. They're part of our history. We should learn from our history. We don't erase it. But that doesn't make me a racist because I, because I say, leave the statue up there. If I were black people today and I walked by one of those statues, I would be so proud. Because I'd say, look how far I have come in this country. Look how far my people have, what they have overcome. And these are good things.
0: So let me follow the logic here, Uh, Congresswoman. If you happen to be a black person, you would have a black perspective, even though you have been a white woman your entire life. You can all of a sudden have an overview that's completely different. And your position is yes, it would be a thing of honor. You would be proud to look at racist monuments, monuments that are symbols of death and oppression. And you would have a sense of pride because you as a make-believe black woman would look at these statues and say, look at how far my people have come. Madam, in your own conclusion, you have indicted yourself. Please understand when you submit that as your proclamation, you are admitting that in fact, the Confederate statues are racist. Think about what you said. If you happen to be black and you saw these symbols, you would say, look at how far we have come. Come from what? Well, racist people, oppression, bigotry. Yeah, the system of racism. That is what you're referring to. So while making that conclusion, you deny that America has a racist background, has a racist foreground and a racist current, but you submit that on the record. Now, naturally, there's an elephant in the room. Obviously, this is extreme privilege being operated here. Uh, But people wanna play the game, Uh, if I were black, if I were white, let's do it. Uh, Let's go to the divorce dynamic. Now, remember, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, And others who think like her, they are still able to claim to be pro-American when they represent anti-American views. They support those who committed treason against the United States of America. They also are for divorcing states from the actual union, the United States of America. Here it is. In a Twitter post on Monday, the same individual, Marjorie Taylor Greene, thinks wokeness is so out of control that red states and blue states need to separate and according to green everyone she talks to agrees now you're looking at the tweet it says we need a national divorce we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government everyone i talk to say this from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shove down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies. We are done, literally coming from a woman who actually supports known traitors to the United States of America. Coming from a woman who provides cover for known domestic terrorists in the United States of America. She still gets to adopt an ideology and a narrative that considers her to be pro-American. She will still be able to be called a patriot fundraise around this nation. madam. State's are already divided. It's called a state line. The federal government, well, the federal government is empowered by the U.S. Constitution, something I thought you actually liked, but obviously not. And let's be very clear about what Margie Taylor Green is doing. She's trying to get a job. Yes, this is all about her interview to become vice president of the United States by way of Donald Trump picking her to run next to him. Congratulations, Marjorie Taylor Green. I consider you, after your last racist stunt, to be in the front running now. Way to go. All right. Uh, this is not the first time Green has called for a national divorce. Last year, in response to someone complaining about West Coast people transplanting themselves in red states, Green agreed that policies such as not allowing transplants from blue states. To vote are possible in a national divorce scenario. After Democrat voters and big donors ruin a state like California, you would think it wise to stop them from doing it to another great state like Florida, she said. Now, once again, the backdrop of the US Constitution. It is unconstitutional to stop some stop someone from traveling over state lines as long as they legally are able to do so, barring some criminal penalty or parole status. So remember, commerce travel, the right to commerce, the right to interstate travel, the right to engage in business across state lines. is codified as a right in the US Constitution. Once again, Taylor Greene representing a position antithetical to the same document she proclaims is so great. She will remain known as a patriot and pro-American to those who support her. There's more. And in 2021, Green conducted a highly unscientific poll via Twitter. To gauge people's interest in splitting the nation along party lines. She claimed it found 48% of the country wanted it to stay together. While 43% wanted it to split. And 9% were undecided. Now let me help you understand what's happening. She's not coming up with these things on her own. She is being told, let's push this narrative. Let's see how it sticks. Look for this narrative to become a bigger dynamic in the upcoming presidential cycle. All right, Ben, thoughts here.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's three directions I could go here. But the first direction I think is the most obvious, which is like we started with Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about Confederate monuments and just like the sheer absurdity surrounding that. Um, But also now she's saying, wait, let's do it again. So like hold up, like do you think that people in the United States should be so happy with all the progress we've made? Or do you want to rewind back to when we had the civil war? Which really ties into the way that the people who did January 6th were treated and the United States like historical failure to ever fully deal with white supremacists. And I think the way we inappropriately dealt with the end of the civil war, usually when you have a civil war and one side loses, you'll have like the generals and the people who led the whole civil war movement. All those things like go to jail or like lose their property and things like that. Well, unfortunately in the United States, a lot of those people kept all their positions of power, kept all of their wealth and used it to continue the exploitative systems. uh, Only with like slightly different mechanisms of action, right? Like we have to remember that for a lot of people, slavery just turned into being wrongfully imprisoned by the state and then rented back to the literal same plantation owners. So like, you know, and like this is a reality that's been existing in the United States for a long time where every time supposedly we've dealt with some sort of extreme inequality, there seems to be some new system to to maintain it in a more subtle uh, or obscured way. Um and following on top of that, I mean like I guess it's just kind of like silly that these republicans like push this idea of like breaking up the country because like not only would like a solely republican country struggle on the international stage to be taken seriously in any way or like shape or form. uh, But also like their economies are fundamentally different in a lot of different ways and they just they wouldn't be able to sustain themselves. If you look economically like red states would not be able to sustain themselves uh, without like the income and the revenue that comes from blue states. Uh, which have more like technology sector workers and and infrastructure and stuff like that. So like that in just in and of itself is just really silly. Um, but like it just, it just speaks to the shamelessness. Like, like with the first thing that Marjorie Taylor Greene said that we covered. Um, it speaks to this reality that Republicans quite literally lack the theory of mind. They struggle with a concept that people might have different experiences and understandings of the world than they do like it's just this main character syndrome that drives people to think that they're the only person in the world that matters and how could anybody else in the world possibly have a different perspective than i do um and failing to see like how their actions impact other people um and it's something that's very widespread within the republican party at large and i think explains a lot of their politics we're quite literally their politics is just centered around what is personally convenient for them and not even rooted in any sort of coherent ideology or belief system. That's why they are so capable of having these these like ridiculous conspiracy theories like all spinning around their head at the same time even when they're like self-contradictory, right? Is Donald Trump secretly the president or is Joe Biden, did Joe Biden steal the election? Right, one of these like both of those things can't literally be true, right? But it doesn't matter to them because in their mind they're the only real person that exists. And thus their actions in their mind should have no consequence in the world. But unfortunately for Marjorie Taylor Greene and for every other Republican out there, uh, we do live in a shared reality. Uh, Where we have many different people with different thoughts, feelings and beliefs. And most people believe that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene are intolerable.
0: (laughs) Very well said, very well said. And I will add this one point, states are not fixed, red, blue. What happens to purple? Those transitioning, these are people. Ideology is not the same as a policy dynamic. Your partisanship should not determine if a state is able to remain connected to America, it's insane. A cop decides to just body slam a random white male in his own neighborhood because he fit the description. Uh oh. Here it is. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. You can't take
1: pockets. Excuse me. Being detained, but I'll take that check off. Um, Take your backpack off. Excuse me. What am I doing? Take your backpack off. Um, Can you explain what this is? Before you go on the ground, take your backpack off. I'm going to get picked up to work. You want to play this, please? Sir! Put your hand behind your back. This is my phone. Put it down. Can you tell me what's going on? Just put your behind your back before you end up on the ground. Uh detained for a minute. Can you imagine the script of someone trying to break in people's cars?
3: Uh,
4: Oh, I'm
1: not breaking anyone's cars. I'm just going to work. Check my back. I'm just going to work. You dumb bastard. Oh my god. I'm just going to to work. Help me! I'm just going to work! I'm just going to work! Oh, oh, I don't know that. Please! Yeah. I'll give you some work, please! No, I'm trying to that. Please, help me! Get
4: up!
0: I'm going to work! The man is in pain. Cop says, shut up. The- the man was in his own community, walking to work, walking to work. Tom Jones of WSB TV did a remarkable job in the original reporting. That's where I saw this story first. Let me put up Deputy McMaster, they call him, an award winning cop. This happened in Paulding County, Georgia. The sheriff's office is now under scrutiny because of that incident you just saw. The deputy has been identified as Michael McMaster. On the left, seen with the current Paulding County Sheriff, Gary Gulledge. The incident occurred on March 4th, 2022, we're just getting the video. The victim, let's put him up, his name is Tyler, Tyler Canaris. He was charged with misdemeanor obstruction of a law enforcement officer. That's according to Heavy.com. But the Dashcam video gained attention on Reddit and on social media this month, after it was posted to YouTube by the account Justice for Tyler Canaris. He was booked into custody at 6:35 pm. He was released at 7:32 p.m. that day after posting a $1,000 bond. Never should have been arrested in the first place. The case remains pending. We're calling for these charges to be completely dropped. Following the arrest, Canaris was taken by an ambulance to a local hospital. Deputy McMaster wrote in the police report he said Panaris suffered a cranial fracture and a clavicle fracture. Let me just stop there. Bring it back to me. He broke the man's uh, clavicle and he fractured the man's very skull fractured, the collarbone, and the skull, all right, cranial. You heard the agony as soon as the body slam happened. That's immediate pain for something that was not even escalated. The cop was just egotistical, did not care, was unconcerned, and the cop was 100% wrong about the identity of the individual. All right, he said uh, Canaris suffered these injuries. Tyler had blood coming from his left ear due to when he hit the ground. He still had an earbud inserted into his ear. The report shows that an unknown suspect was wanted on a charge of criminal attempt to commit entering an automobile. That's a felony. Canaris was never charged with that crime or any offenses related to the attempted vehicle break-in, according to public records, only obstruction. So basically, the deputy says, "Oh well, you meet or match the description of a person breaking into cars. Conversation would have concluded easily, the man is going to work. Clark Wilson shared the video on Facebook on the 16th and wrote, this is my girlfriend's stepbrother. Walking out of his neighborhood to the corner gas station to carpool for work. He, quote, matched a description. And this happened to him. The result, question mark, fractured skull and broken collarbone and a broken thumb. Every word Tyler said during this video was truthful. Wilson also added, they initially charged him with obstruction and resisting arrest which they had dropped. But of course, they have brought the charges back after he did eventually file suit against the department. Talk about retaliation. I am beyond furious with the actions of this officer from Paulding County Sheriff's Office. Also, it is not proper to use your weapon light for visibility. When there is no threat, use a flashlight. On the department's Facebook account, they issued a statement about the incident. Here is a portion of the statement. "Paulding County Sheriff Gary Gulledge has sought the assistance of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to conduct an outside review of a March 4th, 2022 arrest and use of force. That review is now underway. Paulding County Sheriff's Office will, fully, will be fully cooperating with all requests and inquiries from the FBI, excuse me, the GBI. No word on any action against the deputy. Isn't that ironic that trained detectives, trained police officers, trained sergeants, trained chiefs, commanders and sheriffs, who are literally positioned, designed in a way to locate, understand criminality, to be able to know exactly what the charge is when they see it, to arrest when it is done. All of a sudden, they are not detectives when it comes to cops committing the same offenses. There's a nuance, we need to get more information. We need to wait for all of the witnesses to speak, whatever the excuse is. They will arrest you and I immediately. But when the police engage in the criminal conduct, and this is criminal conduct in my opinion, all of a sudden the rules change. This is part of the dissension between community and cop. We will follow this story. We're calling for these charges to be completely dropped. All right, Ben, thoughts.
2: Yeah. I mean, the first thing I want to touch on is the whole notion of like, oh, well, he like fit the description. Look, I don't I don't believe the police any police officer when they say anything like that. Because let's be real, okay? First and foremost, we know that police officers are generally speaking pretty negligent and ridiculous with the way that they go about their jobs. Like they're not paying that much attention to be like listening to the description of everybody. It's just the simple fact that there is always going to be somebody that fits the description. There's always gonna be a description of somebody and there's always gonna be somebody to fit to it because we all know that the overwhelming majority of crimes that get reported do not actually get solved by police departments. And so you can make it sound like anybody fits any description if you're loose and vague enough with it. So the idea that this police officer was going after this person because he fit a description of somebody that he heard earlier. I personally don't believe and I don't think anybody should really believe knowing the history of police officers. That seems to me like a lie that they use post hoc to justify why they're harassing a random person who was literally just going to work, right? Because Ultimately, what happened in this scenario was somebody just asking for a little bit of explanation, a little bit of communication, a little bit of like, treat me like a human being right here. You're pulling over, you're stopping. I'm not even like, you're a cop, whatever. Just explain to me what exactly you wanted from me, but you know, so that I can do that. Right, but the police officer was not communicating refusing to communicate because fundamentally police officers are in the United States have a belief that they get to create reality that everything around them is purely subjective to however they feel like they should view the world and that like body slam like literally was a suplex. Right. Like yeah. that's not a thing that you are ever going to be trained to do in a military environment, a police environment. That's not like that's like a like a WWE wrestling move. That's not something that you're gonna be doing if you're like detaining somebody. It is not that that is that is not a thing to do because you can do the skull fractures and things like that, which are just like serious, serious problems that you don't want to do to somebody, right? Um, especially if you're a law enforcement professional. And so Like it just seems like this police officer just wanted to be hardcore, wanted to be cool, wanted to be a real tough guy, right? And you have an entire police department that is rallying around this guy, just wanting to be a tough guy, I guess, because you know your Paul Blart over here want to be hardcore main (laughs) character, Uh, like literally. Like what are you doing? Like and and because the institution is set up in such a way to literally defend a police officer who just wanted to feel like a tough guy for a moment uh, over somebody who literally like I got sent to the hospital because of that police officer's actions and that that is what's so infuriating because. The response with the charge, like the throwing charges on him, which are just ridiculous charges. Like, like we all know, like things like obstruction and resisting arrest. When there's like literally nothing else, it's just like very obviously ridiculous. But to respond that way in response to somebody who's like filing a lawsuit, of course they're gonna file a lawsuit. You know how much healthcare costs in this country? You know how much healthcare costs in this country? I mean, quite literally, not only did he get cost the money that he had to put up for bail, but he also is getting cost the money that he's going to need all this medical treatment for. Yep. Like like of course he's going to sue. What what else is he going to do? His insurance company probably asked him to sue because they probably said that they weren't going to cover it because it was a law enforcement action and In insurance typically isn't going to cover anything that is involved with law enforcement because they assume that you are guilty of a crime, right? So like that's what's just so sickening about this that we live in such a disgusting like like system and culture (laughs) where a police officer can brutalize you, cost you thousands and thousands of dollars in medical bills. And then when you try to get even just the slightest bit of compensation, then all of a sudden they throw charges on you because they want you to shut up and accept this extreme cost not only to your body but also financially.
0: They're going to find out that putting the charges back on him after he filed suit. Not favorable to juries. Many judges don't like it either. That may end up being the slam dunk out of all of this. uh, That the cops decided to utilize the law in a way to retaliate against a constitutionally protected right. Indisputable, exclusive. A mother says she was jumped, physically assaulted by three individuals inside of a Walmart. Police officer gets irritated with her and decides to lock her up as she's waiting for her dad to pick her up. We have the video. I'll explain on the other side. Here it is. You yeah, know
1: what they gonna do, right? I don't know. <laughs> you know. You ain't gonna do nothing. You better go sit your little ass down somewhere. That's the lad that look. Come on, let me explain something to you. The lad girl that got jumped out here at Walmart that said she was gonna catch him one on one got a bullet dead to her chest. Uh And she's six feet under right now. Yep. So if you want your one, go out there and get it and get yourself killed. Do what? Come here All then. Right. I got something for you to hear. Come here. Come here. Come how old are you? How old are you? I am 21. Yep, I got something for you to hear. Y'all not gonna y'all see y'all think it's gang right around here. Come on. And they call my dad. I don't care, he can come on down to the police department and burn you out. Yep. Cause I promise you I ain't the one. Can you go? Yep, when you get in this hey! car. Get in the car. You better get in this hey, car. Go she going to jail for disorderly conduct. That ain't got nothing to do with the fight. Yeah, she's 21.
0: She's going to jail for disorderly conduct. Ain't got nothing to do with the fight. She's victimized two times within minutes. Let's put up the picture of this mother. This happened in Clarksdale, Mississippi. According to the mother, she was attacked by three teenagers inside of a Walmart. That's her with her one year old. Her name, the mother, her name is Roretta Hawkins. Ms. Hawkins was visiting the Walmart in Clarksdale on June 27th to pick up baby items for her daughter and to meet her brother who actually works at that Walmart. She was on the phone with her father in the front of the store. She says three older teens started to laugh at her and she says she confronted them, are you laughing at me? Roretta says the teens said no, she left for the baby aisle, but the teens followed. Roretta's brother, Javier McDonald, who works at the Walmart, corroborated the entire story, saying Roretta left the initial interaction to go to the baby aisle. You're looking at the teens talking to the police right there, okay? In the baby aisle, Roretta says one of the teens grabbed her hair and pulled her to the ground, while two others joined in on the attack. She later learned one was 18 years of age. When she complained to the police, she says they would not file a report calling the incident retaliation. Next, the Clarksdale police arrested her for disorderly conduct. Now keep that up, keep that arrest report up. The question I had when I first heard this story, Is there some wink and nod to not put on record what happened inside of that Walmart? Why did he ignore the attack when, obviously, in the video, he's aware of it? There's more. Hawkins told Indisputable, and I quote My first amendment was violated. He arrested me for saying something, but I didn't make a direct threat. I was calling my dad to pick me up. The cop said in the affidavit, I was real loud and I was trying to fight. Hawkins charge was actually dropped, but not before. She paid $1,500 to a lawyer and $150 to a bail bondsman, all right? Uh, She also also says the Clarksdale police officer, uh, let's put him up. L Jamaro Peters, seen here, destroyed her phone after the incident. Roretta says, he's a large man, and I wasn't going to fight the police. He didn't need to be forceful with nobody. People think you're not supposed to stand up for yourself, but I always stand up for myself, so I'm glad. Let's put up the chief. Chief of police, Clarksdale, Mississippi finest. Robbie Lindley. No one from the department returned indisputables calls or emails for comment on this incident. Listen, we played this game plenty of times with police department. Now, Chief, let's put the Chief back up. Now, Chief, uh, this is your first time tangling with me. There needs to be a statement of affirmative or at least investigative action happening this incident. This officer obviously is ready for a review. And the citizen who was harassed has rights. You are a lawman. Stand up for it. We shall see. Ben, insane. Woman, young woman, a victim twice because a cop got upset and decided to just lock her up for something so frivolous, the courts threw it out immediately.
2: Yeah, this is just like this is just another one of those stories where police officers feel entitled, right? They they feel entitled to an extreme degree of power, and look elected officials are to blame for this. Like let's let's be 100% real because not only do you have both sides of the aisle constantly praising police officers like they're universally unquestionably heroes and not like examining the role of policing in the United States of America more thoroughly, but also when stuff like this happens, they always just sit back and do nothing and wait for police departments to deal with it internally. They trust the system to function internally because they don't want to take responsibility. And this yep. is actually something that the United States does very very effectively where we separate authority and responsibility right yeah. by separating authority and responsibility from each other you can create these scenarios where oh it's just this one bad police officer he's the person who's responsible we'll we'll leave it to the the institution to like deal with like you know all of the the problems of like punishment and stuff like that. And so elected officials say, well, yeah, I mean, I'm the one that like give them a budget and like votes in place the policies and procedures that they have to like run by. But like, you know, I don't really want to do that because if I get too involved, then all of a sudden I'm to blame. Except for you are already to blame, right? Like if you're an elected official, you are actively creating this environment. And look, the harsh reality is there's a lot of elected officials that are just legitimately terrified of police departments. But when <laughs> elected officials are terrified of police departments, And they're too afraid to put in place like basic reforms or regulations or even dare I say put in place some real civilian accountability. When elected officials are too afraid to call for things like that with defunding police departments taking their budget and putting into things that actually help prevent crime. Uh, then the people are afraid of police officers, right? And then the people have to deal with the violence from police officers and just this arbitrary harassment and like wrongful arrests and all of these things that come down. And so like fundamentally like, well, this police officers is to blame for this. And there's obviously a culture of this across the country and specifically within this police department as well. The elected officials also have responsibility both at the state, local, federal level, all of it because fundamentally there has not been any real substantial effort to change the system and like fundamentally like why do democrats not talk about the fact that the whole entire war on drugs was very explicitly like started with the aim of harassing black and brown folks in the united states of america that was the whole purpose and yet somehow talking about the war on drugs is just like unallowed for most elected democrats just unallowed sure they might talk about descheduling things like cannabis but the larger war on drugs effort the police apparatus the surveillance apparatus that exists in support of that larger system they never question it why is that the sacred cow that we are keeping when it was very clearly white supremacist in its origin and that is what's really really infuriating so i it's we keep seeing stories like this And every day it is heartbreaking and it is rage inducing because so many Democrats are too cowardly to speak up against this.
0: So well put, so well put. Um, And you said something really powerful. They want the authority, but not the responsibility. And that's it right there. You hit it, knocked it out the park. Now, for those who are watching, if there's a corrupt cop, and I'm talking to police officers. If you're a good cop, if you believe you are a good cop, prove it to me. Tell me who the bad cops are. Email us at indisputable at tyt.com. All right? If corruption is happening wherever you are—corporate, schools, government, operations—let us know. We believe that the better way forward. Is through transparency, all right? And I'm not scared of the police. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay.
1: Are you seriously mad because we cleaned off your sidewalk? Your sidewalk?
5: So you mad because we cleaned off your sidewalk?
1: We're helping you. with, Like, you mad because we cleaned off your sidewalk? We we cleaned off your sidewalk. It's this. It's public sidewalk. We cleaned it off for you. jelly, there. Jelly and Tanya. Hey, are you what, that upset? What would Jesus do? If you're a real, if you're a real Christian, you okay, have to be. I don't call I the police. Yes, I will. So you oh. calling a, What are you calling the police for? That's prospective property. Put them put on, on speaker. This is the sidewalk. This is a public sidewalk. Put them on speaker. This is a public no, sidewalk, man. I don't him. know if you own this home,
2: call but him. it's a public
1: sidewalk. Is this neighbor here, Jay? Yeah. And somebody else that I don't know? Uh huh. Batters me and. Uh... Tell them what we did. Huh? Tell them what we did. No, don't say it Jeff. They'll come faster if you say it's too d. A hustler. Uh, I don't want to make him a problem. I give him time. He's taking a movie, taking pictures. Someone that I don't know. Someone that just came to help. His, uh, his friend. To do the driveway, to shovel the driveway in a public sidewalk. It's no weapon that I know. No. No what Oh, they do. We have a weapon. Excuse me. Leave it alone, Joe. Leave it alone. Don't say nothing. See,
4: they don't have no respect.
1: And I black people don't have respect that. now. Don't respect but I but I plowed her in front of our house for free. For free. Didn't ask her for nothing. And
0: the police arrive. Here it is. You
1: see this line? Yeah. You don't pass this line. Okay. And mm-hmm. I don't wanna see you in my you particular what is your name? Mm-hmm. I don't know who you are. Gregorio. So go Gregorio. And you I know this is my friend's driveway. His dad owned this house. So I'm okay to be on the driveway. We just did his drive. I don't know who owns that house any longer and I don't wanna argue with you. Okay. You have a good day. You go because you don't know me. Okay, I don't. Are you threatening her? No, no, no. Leave it on, Jay. Let her put no, the I'm snow not. back on the sidewalk. Hey, you getting you get snow on my side. You don't got no side. You need you else. Go with Charlie. I apologize to you and I am sorry. Are you
5: gonna be name? sorry after you call the police? Sorry
1: that I say that name. Because you know what? I don't have I don't want anything to do with there or what happened. That is your business. What you talking about? You have somebody from your family, what would right. you have them do to us? What they gonna do? Take that devil out of my face. What you what they gonna do? Are you threatening me? Are you saying that they're gonna kill me? You can call anybody out of your family. I, I hear Tanya. I'm saying, are you threatening me?
0: No, I'm asking you a question, are you threatening me? You're damn right I I want her arrested. I'm in fear of my life, damn it. That's what I would have told her. You know how many elderly black women and elderly black men they arrest? You know, We covered a story right here on Indisputable. They locked up an elderly black woman for not paying her trash bill. This was out of Alabama. She went to jail. Nobody had any sympathy for her. She didn't threaten anybody. Did not even break a law. It was part of some ridiculous private-public partnership that created a contempt of court charge for her. They knew she was an elderly black woman and they decided to arrest her because she was late on the trash bill. Yeah, sometimes people need to sit down somewhere. I promise you she would have been well protected. All right? It's infuriating because that situation you just witnessed, life or death, situation that could have went totally different. All right, being thoughts here.
2: yeah, I mean, what you said just there is like really important because what happens if the police officers show up and they had a bad day, right? What happens? And because I mean, like first and foremost, like I mean, this is just like ridiculous, right? Like depending on what city they're in, like it could actually be illegal to put actively put snow intentionally onto your sidewalk like that after it's been shoveled. you know, you actually have to have like, a way for like postal service workers to be able to get to your mailbox it's like a whole entire thing um you know not to mention like city ordinances about like making sure that sidewalks are clear for people with like disabilities and stuff like that so like that's just all like you know misdemeanor stuff but also like i think important like you know or like civil penalties or whatever for like but like the reason why i say that is because somebody's doing you a huge favor in some places like you literally as a property owner have a responsibility legally to keep your your sidewalk clear and so if somebody's clearing your sidewalk for you they're doing you an act of kindness but what she said in the middle, about like oh how you're not showing me any respect or anything, really speaks to the shamelessness that exists in the United States and just the sheer white supremacy that is deeply embedded within our society, where quite literally there are a lot of folks out there that think that they are like just owed like an extreme extreme degree of not just respect but like deference right for more marginalized people around them. And that is what like creates all of these situations in the first place. Just this presupposition that if you are in any way, shape or form privileged that marginalized people around you should always be thinking about and anticipating your mind. Like your your needs and like reading your mind about what you might possibly want in every given situation. Uh, Whereas like if you're a privileged person, you're never expected to like, think about like or anticipate like the thoughts, feelings of needs, of more marginalized people around you. And that creates this imbalance of understanding where like let's be real, if the police officers, if, if the police officers offered to have those two men arrested, do you think that she would show them the same kindness that they showed her? Yeah, I don't think that yeah. I, I don't think that, that would happen. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. Um and so like fundamentally it's just this this problem that's like deeply embedded with our society. And like I don't know, you have to be really, really shameless to like get angry at somebody for like shoveling the snow off of your sidewalk and you it's just like, a lot of hate. yeah.
0: A lot of hate in your heart. Uh, hats off to the gentleman who kept it classy, all right? Got a lot of respect for you guys. <laughs> Get in,
4: you <laughs> I'm I'll get it. 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 mean. <clears throat>
1: Because they got into it in the car before that. We heard her. We heard her cussing at him in the car to smoke a cigarette. And then he had to smoke a cigarette to cool off. He's man, like... he, Oh. Get in
4: the car. Get in here. He knows treat. he does Had to get oh Lord, I'm so
0: glad we decided to get you a chicken sandwich. Savages and thugs continue to be the decay of American societal context. This was over a drumstick and Popeyes, Popeyes ran out of drumsticks, according to the narrative. There's more video. Here it is.
4: Give me your card. Oh, oh, blue shirt. Wait, wait. I Give me a Does
1: this mean the chicken sandwich is free? Go <laughs> back to jail. Back. She said back to jail. Oh
4: Lord. oh, Lord, you better go defend your woman. Defend your
1: woman. He ain't doing a damn thing.
4: Defend your woman. Wow, I can't let
1: somebody push her like that. See, the pop-out knows what's But you can't, you can't, She hanging all out the window. Now,
4: the car. The
1: car. Gonna oh, yes. you no, ain't going to, kill no, he, he ain't going to do a damn thing. Wow, oh, all this for a chicken sandwich. Ma'am, ma'am, oh, ma'am. oh, Lord, oh, oh, Lord. Oh, I, can't I can't see, I can't see. No, you hit her first. Hit her first, yeah. yeah. Car, and he's just Go. standing there. You know what? Do go, you if somebody's, we better be throwing down car. together. He ain't killing nobody. He just standing like, dang. I'm
4: in the car. Car. Lord these are oh, now, wait, wait a minute. Now it's a girl fight. Get them through shoes. Oh, oh Lord, what is happening?
0: Over oh, a drumstick, all right, the police eventually arrived. People were separated, people got handcuffed. Let's put up a picture full mask here, one of the screenshots we have. Um, very sad, obviously. I have attempted to figure out who is the number two Karen. Obviously, the most aggressive guy, that's the one that caught my attention. That's Karen, So male Karen. Going to an extreme. Ladies and gentlemen, I must admit to you, we possibly have a cackle of carrots here. It is possible that all of them were actually engaged in caronicity. Ben,
2: thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, like, first and foremost, look, I know Popeyes is good, but it's not that good, okay? (laughs) Like, it is not that good. It's like, okay, okay, like, calm down, please. (laughs) But, like, also, like, it's just so wild, like, like, Look, people sometimes get upset at me about this, right? But like I just think it's genuinely true, right? Anybody who's like even loosely familiar with like dialectical behavioral therapy, it's like a whole entire thing. But like like a big part of it is like learning how to communicate in like healthy ways. And like the reason why I bring it up here is because like I unironically have pushed like and said like, hey, this is should be something that like at least the core components of are taught in like public school so that everybody gets like healthy communication class like through like public schools. And like the reason why I say that is like you are angry about a drumstick, but like you're probably angry about something else. But also you're escalating things and the other people that got involved also started escalating things like everybody's yelling and then all of a sudden a drumstick turns into like a brawl outside of a Popeyes. And like we all just collectively need to take a step back and like look at what's going on in each other's lives and try and like, build some like general communication skills that should be a little bit more organic. But unfortunately in our hyper individualistic society have like really fallen apart. And so like I think like fundamentally we need to introduce some sort of like healthy communication style like classes into public schools to prevent exactly this type of thing from happening.
0: (laughs) Yeah, or you gotta lay off the drumstick, not working out for you. All right, we got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Black people committing criminal activity because they had the audacity to play basketball. Here it is.
1: have a permit to be in this park. Ooh. If you don't live here, if you don't live here, you have to leave unless you go. So you're telling us we can't be no visitors in our people's houses? Oh, 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 so you right, no, you so can't call no. So we can't call right friends that come be no, on the, don't the don't park? you can't live here. Nah, you're you're trying to park. Park. If you do not live in the township, township. I got the you can't be here. And if anybody outside of the township wants to be on here, you have to have a permit for them to be here. we that? got the got yeah. the coordinates. We got Can we get this coordinates? We can. can, we just told you go to the middle township middle building. Right Where down. the township building? Right over there. The Brown Center? Yes. Left we left. can get it right now? No, it's closed. Normal business hours. I Nine don't, so y'all saying we can't be visitors at our own community? No, we can't, we can't, we can't help build the community either.
0: There you go, officers. That's what I like to see. Real police work, code 18. Negroes on the basketball court in the township. There's more.
4: No, but Just because you don't know what the U.S. is, it's not our fault. So if it is a free ID, if don't live
1: it, you have to leave. You Otherwise, you're a man who is. So I guess we trespassing. So you said we, so <laughs> we trespassing. So you said we, <laughs> so we trespassing. They don't want to say that, though. So so So, are we trespassing? And it's true. So if you feel like you're getting harassed right now, you can go and pick up the ordinance tomorrow, and then you can come to our station and file the complaint. But I don't know. This tell you is crazy, ordinance. man. Can yeah. you go tomorrow? Yeah, Can't have fun for nothing. It's say that. At all. Okay. And then you're gonna know we're telling you the truth. Yeah, it doesn't matter, bro. Yeah. All like, the cards. That's the man. key word you are saying. Then we'll oh, know. That's what I'm saying. We all don't. Know. Know. It doesn't yeah, matter. We don't you speech right now. Mhm. Too much. For a bench warrant, they talk about bench warrant. Now we can't play on public courts, we can't play on public courts.
0: Damn shame, put up the picture for a mass of these cops. These officers basically said you need a permit to play basketball at the park. According to some repost of the video online, the incident allegedly happened in South Jordan, Utah. This is emerging again on social media. We do not have a lot of details according to the nationwide police scorecard. In the city of South Jordan, the racial disparities for low level nonviolent offenses are as follows. Disparities in arrest for low level offenses by race and ethnicity. Well, damn, look, who's number one? Black people. Black people were 5.7 times more likely The Latinx people were 1.9 times more likely. Than to be arrested for, uh, likely to be arrested for low-level nonviolent offenses and a white person. Now, here are overall numbers of arrests reported from 2013 to 2021, the low-level and other arrest. We have it broken down by year. Per 2021 US Census Bureau data, the population of South Jordan was about 80,139. And here's the percentage of arrest by type. Okay, more from the Nationwide Police Scorecard on national racial disparities. Black people were arrested at a higher rate or higher rates than white people. And 90% of police jurisdictions reporting 100 or more arrests in 2020. Including every police department with a jurisdiction of over 400,000 population. All of them, every single one of them. Though there were racial disparities in arrests in, all, in almost every jurisdiction. The most severe disparities tended to be found in smaller towns and cities. Over the 500 departments with the largest black white racial disparities in, in arrest, four in five had a population fewer than 15,000.
2: There you go. That's your data. Ben, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, like fundamentally, they're talking about like, oh, you know, you have to be part of the township, part of the township this is exactly why like homeowners associations exist in the United States. Like that's a, it's a, to be clear, it's a weird thing that homeowners associations exist. And the only real explanation for why they're such a big thing in the United States is specifically because they were used as a tool to keep black and brown folks out of white neighborhoods like that is it. And like that unfortunately, is still happening to this very day. Now they can't do like the same methods like they used to like putting racial covenants on housing and stuff like that. But they use tactics like this like calling police on um, random black folks who are like playing sports uh, at like a basketball uh, court or whatever uh doing these things to make pe- people feel unwelcome, to make people yep. feel unsafe in the area. And like that this is exactly what homeowners associations are fundamentally for. Um and, like especially if you look at like the way that like the next door crowd will be like constantly peering out their windows, like harassing random people that may or may not like, you know, just happen through town. And it's just deeply, deeply infuriating that like fundamentally, while we say we've moved so far as a country, at the same time these things still start happening, except for they're just given pretense. And right. that's really it. The old the difference is that there's there's more pretense, there's more um obfuscation about what's really going on.
0: Well said, let's put up the picture of this good cop who likely saved somebody from committing suicide. On January 12th, Richland County Sheriff's Deputy Corporal Kenny Fitzsimmons rescued a man who was sitting on the edge of a bridge in Columbia, South Carolina. I wanna show you what he did, let's put it up. The corporal, corporal says the 26 year old male was sitting on the edge crying, staring at traffic. Fitzsimmons, he literally walks behind him in the quietest way possible. He doesn't yell, get off the bridge. He doesn't pull a gun. He doesn't threaten to arrest him. He grabs the man, physically grabs him. The reason why that's important to note is because they're taught against doing that because. You can be carried over the bridge yourself. The person can harm the officer themselves. So they're taught not to do that, even though it is a very human thing, a very compassionate thing to do. In the video, Fitzsimmons said to the young man, and I quote, if you were to jump, that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Whatever stuff you have going on right now, it's temporary. It will pass. Obviously it hurt. I can see the pain in your face. Keep that picture up. The man, the cop is sitting, talking to him. And he's sitting next to the bridge to make sure the man doesn't try to jump over the bridge again. The man stayed there until his father came. Let's put up this amazing cop again. Put his picture up. Sir, I salute you. I salute you. Need more people like you? Thank you for what you did. The corporal says deputies are trained to deal with suicide situations, but in moments like these, it is the love and the care that comes from the heart that helps the most. He said, and I quote, I just happened to have a camera crew with me that day. That is probably the fourth or fifth person I've pulled off a bridge. And I believe every sentiment of this officer. Way to go. Thank you for being a good guy. Thank you for operating with heart and compassion. Then Thoughts.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really rarely we get a report on stories like this, but it's one of those things where, like, I mean, how do you like follow how do you like follow a different training of like not grabbing this person, like sneaking up to like like grab them, keep them safe? I mean, literally, even just saying something could have startled them and then that's it, right? And so, like fundamentally, like, and that's what's like that's what's so infuriating about like how like terrible our police system is in general, is that like just a little bit of heart, just a little bit of compassion, just a little bit of that stuff that you are trained to not have a you know that that you're trained to have fear just wash away just a little bit of heart and compassion can fundamentally change someone's day and can fundamentally change someone's life i mean and that is what's so important about like like literally like having a push for real community safety yeah. really just means having more people involved who are driven by like heart and compassion and are given skills and tools to make that compassion like mechanically successful Um, and it's just, it's like, this is a, this is a nice heartwarming story and it's heartbreaking to think that it deviates so much from other people's experience with police.
0: If cops want to be heroes, remember this, heroes are not careful. Heroes are courageous. That's what you saw. We got more on the other side. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Welcome back. All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. We've been following this story. We have an update to it, talking about the FBI and their coordinated efforts to infiltrate Black Lives Matter protests by way of nefarious means, according to many remind you of some of the story here it is a uh,
3: special agent Scott Dahlstrom with special agent uh Byron Mitchell uh CHS for meet with uh Zebedias Hall thank you
1: you can hear this so I put it in
5: my front pocket right yeah okay got it see how much slender they are video look good? Yep. Yeah? Look handsome?
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Not as handsome as that kid. That's a kid.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: A
1: kid. Good-looking kid.
5: All right. Good luck. All right. See you guys shortly. Yep. I got it. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad.
0: All right, what you just saw was a guy named Mickey Weindecker, a convicted sex offender who was working as a confidential informant for the FBI. He was in Denver in a Silver Hertz full of guns, traveling around racial justice protests. And according to many, tried to set people up, infiltrate Black Lives Matter. We have two people on the program. This is going to be a fascinating discussion. Um, Mr. Zebedias Hall, activist, who was at the receiving end of much of this. Uh, Zeb, thank you for being on the program. Thanks for having me. Trevor Aronson, who is the creator of the Alphabet Boys podcast and received received a video from an anonymous source, was able to give us a lot of information from this context. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having us. All right, let me start for narrative sake with you, Trevor. Give us the summary of what happened, how it came to you, and what you have discovered since reporting.
5: Well, I think it's important to remember that before the summer of 20, the FBI had previously designated black political activists as as so-called black identity extremists, a subgroup of domestic terrorism that the FBI considered anti-government extremists. So going into the summer of 2020, the FBI was predisposed to potentially see First Amendment protected activities as a result of the racial justice movement as being potentially dangerous or even national security threats. And and for for the last couple of years, although there have been rumors about agent provocateurs and infiltrators in the racial justice movement, we've not had any concrete information on on what happened And, and what these recordings show is the first behind-the-scenes look at what the FBI was doing during the summer of 2020, and what they were doing in Denver was that they paid a violent felon tens of thousands of dollars to infiltrate the racial justice movement and and become a leader. And then once he was in a leadership position, he encouraged people to commit violence. A number of the demonstrations that turned violent have his fingerprints all over them, and he also tried to specifically entrap um, racial justice activists like Zeb in crimes that they would never have committed were it not for the FBI engineering the entire thing. And, and one last point I wanna make is that what's particularly troubling about this case is that a lot of the tactics that the informant uses are the same tactics that we saw FBI informants use in the 1960s against black political groups doing COINTELPRO. Specifically the use of so-called snitch jacketing, which is, is, uh, which is labeling real activists and real leaders as informants in order to sow chaos and sow confusion. And then take advantage of the fact that you have then sowed chaos among the groups. And it's a a particularly subverting effect that happened in the 60s. And we saw the same thing happen in Denver in 2020.
0: Since this has come out, multiple United States senators have actually said something. Uh, Individuals are starting to provide some level of leadership as it relates to outrage connected to this. Let me go to you, Zeb. Uh, what was your experience that what you can talk about, and what was the genesis of this interaction um, with Mickey?
3: Oh well, for starters, it's uh, been pretty scary. I've mm-hmm. uh, been, you know, you know, I have to park, you know, a few blocks away from my house uh, quite often, you know, so I still have that fear of something happening to me yeah. uh, for being involved with this. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's the game you play when you know something's wrong and you've got to, you know, stand up against it. Um, Mickey, um, you know, the uh, feds sent this uh, dangerous criminal to uh, the protest. Uh, I first met him around, I think, uh, early June or, uh, excuse me, late June, early July. And, you know, it's as if he, you know, I guess infiltrated within a the, uh, the, uh, branch of the DSA. And, you know, at that point, everyone thought he was, uh, you know, he was just perfectly kind of working with them. You know, it was a uh, sad, sad to say, a good cover. And through his uh, infiltration, he took a leadership role. He uh, snitched the jacket, a lot of folks, uh, put everyone in danger, and ultimately, uh, with the assistance of the FBI, uh, destroyed the movement. It is just so wild
0: that, as Trevor said, uh, this is COINTELPRO all over again. Um, And in the dynamics of the narrative that we heard, uh, literally, they gave him a bunch of guns, and he would drive around, Trying to coerce or manipulate individuals to engage in some level of criminality—is that the sentiment from this Zeb? Is that what happened, according to you?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's—it's it probably a lot even more worse than you know what we might even know now. It's, uh, you know, it, I have to always remind people that you know, yeah, this happened in Denver, but you know, in comparison to other major cities, Denver is very small. And now that this story has been released, you look throughout the Twitterverse and all these uh, uh, other forms of social media and people are starting to talk out. So it lets you know that you know Denver was just a little blip in the country, uh, at least in my opinion. I feel that uh, it could not have just been Denver. So this would have had to be over the entire country. And if it happened over the entire country, it means you know the FBI and those who worked with them quite potentially destroyed the movement over the entire country.
0: This is not going to be easy, brother. But I need you to tell us what happened. I need you to tell us the approach. I need you to let us know what we're down as much as you can, because you giving voice to this creates power. So what happened?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it was very confusing summer. You know, as uh, COVID was going on, that uh, then you know a gentleman was uh, murdered, screaming for his mother in the process. You know, uh, there are tensions everywhere, and so. I guess you know when people started working together, getting along, different groups, uh, different races of folks. You know, it became a bit controversial, uh, as often in the past. So you, they sent someone down to, I guess, uh, break that cohesion. And over time, you know, uh, he became a little, you know, more um, involved with different leaders or speakers and whatnot. And you know, it's uh, he would try to kind of bring people away, you know, to talk to him individually. And over time, you know, it's um, he started finding out information about people. So if there was a protest. Even folks who might not have had some kind of leadership role, he would just gather their information. So and he would relay that back to the FBI. And what started out with the YDSA, you know, people thinking that, hey, this guy is safe, you know, ends up leading to kettles or uh, people being moved into uh, 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 potential areas where they're, you know, they are going to be police at. And getting to know this guy, you know, it's, it's, you look back now, you know, hindsight's 2020. You know, he he sticks out like a sore thumb. Mm. But it's almost as if the way they put him in, you know, with a party, it made it a lot easier for people to, uh, uh, for the people to trust him. You know, and over time, you know, after a few meetings with this guy, uh, you know, um, we're at my house once, and uh, you know, he asked me quite a few questions. You know, uh, some quite quite provocative. But you know, as we learned in the beginning, you know, you never. Agree to do anything illegal. You know, it's just, you know, you don't hurt anybody. But over time, you know, um, look back now, it's uh, it's scary even more now knowing that I was around it. Um, but I think what really scared me the most out of everything is when he asked me to kill the attorney general. And I said no right off the bat. You know, it's not my gig. You know, I don't want to go hurt anybody. You know, uh, so as soon as he asked me, I said no. And over the course of a, uh, a meal with uh, Mr. Shelby, uh, he's continuously trying to pressure me into doing this. So I, I'm finding any kind of way to deflect. You know, I want to work through the winter or the summer and like wait six to eight months because I don't want to like have anything to do with this assassination plot. You know, it's not, just not going to solve anything. It's stupid. But I'm intimidated at this point that now I feel like I need to buy this guy his gun. And it's not the fact that, you know, I didn't know if he was an informer or whatnot. It's just that, you know, if someone's asking you to kill a public official, it's not something you're asked every day. And at that point, you know, seeing that this guy, uh, you know, um, took pictures fighting ISIS and these videos and everything, I'm thinking, hey, he's also possibly a biker. He's got all these guns and all this stuff. At this point, I'm too intimidated and I've got to get this guy this gun. But I refuse to uh, partake in any, you know, uh, Strategies or attacks, you know. As everyone found out, you know, I found out I never even threw a pebble. You know, I mm-hmm. never did anything, but I was intimidated, and you know, and yeah, I own it. Yeah, I bought the gun, but I wouldn't have done it if, you know, I wasn't scared of the dude and you know what eventually came down the line. It was a, uh, and even though it was bad, I, I I have to always look. It wasn't just me, you know. Uh, I'm just a person who knows a little more than other people who found out more and. I it's not about me. You know, I don't, I don't think I I don't think I deserved a felony, but that's neither, you know, that's neither here or there. I look at What did at all
0: they end people. up charging you with? Uh and and I think you're on probation now.
3: Yeah, uh, uh transferring a uh, firearm to a felon with the FBI's money. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, um I wouldn't commit to any, you know, violence or whatnot, but it's like, hey, we've gotta tag this big, you know, uh payday on this guy Say, hey, we caught someone but in all together, you intimidated me into buying a gun for a dude and you gave me your money to do it.
0: Let let me go to um, Trevor. Uh, Trevor, uh, you've noted the informant was paid, I think $20,000 for his operation, so to speak. Uh, You have a book called The Terror Factory. Uh, you wrote this book in 2013, and this book, The Terror Factory, Inside the FBI's Manufactured War on Terror, uh, you document some of this um, already back then. What was it like when you received this information from an anonymous source?
5: Right, This this practice by the FBI of using informants of with questionable histories and then entrapping vulnerable or impressionable Americans has gone Gone on for a very long time. You know, the 20 years after 9/11, this was a common practice. And it had long been my theory that the FBI would use these tactics and powers that it had obtained in the post-9/11 era against racial justice demonstrators. And so I remember in the summer of 2020, this happening, knowing what I know about the FBI, having reported on the agency for all these years. I remember thinking, this is likely what they're doing. And I and I was searching for that answer, that proof. I couldn't find it. And then finally, about a year ago, I remember reviewing these records and these recordings. And and seeing that they were doing exactly that, that they were using these tactics and powers from the post 9 11 era and and treating these racial justice demonstrators as if they were domestic extremists or terrorists. And I think what's particularly troubling is that I think it's far more likely that this happened elsewhere in the country than it is that Denver was somehow anomalous. That This is the only place this happened. Granted, this is the only one where we know about. But I think it's reasonable to assume that this happened in other cities. And I think it's particularly troubling that the FBI is using these vast powers intended for anti-terrorism against political activists like Zeb and others in Denver.
0: What happens next? Uh, Listen, I'm not a lawyer, I'm currently a law student. This sounds like entrapment to me, Uh, but what happens next, Trevor? What is the hope uh, based on policy, national policy as it relates to this kind of operation?
5: Well, one of the reasons that this happened is that for far too long, the FBI has been an agency with enormous power, but but very little oversight in Congress. And I think one thing that can help is just getting a greater level of oversight in Congress, and I think this is happening and we're revealing this at a particularly important time, which is that Jim Jordan and the Republican led Congress are currently have a subcommittee where they're trying to construct a narrative that the FBI specifically prejudiced against right wing extremists and right wing groups. And is, is solely targeting those groups. And that simply is not true. The FBI has a long, long history of targeting black activists, targeting left wing activists. And this case in Denver proves that point. And so I think if you're going to have a new so-called church committee on Capitol Hill, you really need a committee that's going to look at all of the abuses that the FBI is, is, is doing, including cases like Denver. And my hope would be that in exposing this in alphabet boys that we can inspire lawmakers to take a far more critical look at what the fbi is doing with these enormous powers against people like zeb who were simply exercising their first amendment protected activities when the fbi decided to launch an aggressive undercover investigation against them
0: zeb i'm flat out of time but i want you to give us in your own words what you would like people to know those who are engaged in advocacy and activism? It is a work that's needed. What would you say to them?
3: Uh, constant communication—that's um, one of the bigger things. As well as instead of criticizing people or not getting along for a few different views, you know, understand you're not all going to have the same views. And you know, when you start talking to people with different views and different spectrums, it'll make cohesion a lot better, and it uh, limits the uh, chance of these. Uh, My opinion, these are criminal organizations from infiltrating uh, another one of our movements. And I also think it's highly imperative that people start speaking out, you know, uh, speaking their truth about everything that's happened because, you know, it's, I find it more disrespectful, the no comment than uh, the act itself. You're caught red handed, the entire country knows it. And you don't even respect Black people enough to say, hey, Okay, you caught us. You know, I haven't received a phone call from the uh, prosecutor or anything from the government. Um, but you know, it's to be expected. You know, I, mm. I I I signed up for this as soon as I came out of the wound as a black man. So it's uh, uh, I have no regrets about this, and it's worth it. You know, that's what life's about. If you're not fighting for something, then you, you're not really here. And I'll let's stop at this. I started jujitsu a year and a half ago, and I learned that you know, if you let someone roll over you on you. They're not gonna stop. Yeah. So I'm not right. gonna let the federal government roll over all of us
0: including black folks
3: as well. That's right, that's right,
0: I appreciate you both. Uh,
3: thank, thank you for
0: your continued advocacy and we are going to follow this story. Naturally, there needs to be a statement and some action. And that's what we're pushing for, appreciate you both. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. All right, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always
4: indisputable.